For the past four weeks, we've been walking through a, a sermon series called The Whole Story. And we've been uh, talking about what uh, Christmas is really all about. And uh, I first said when we started off some four or five weeks ago that you can't really understand the baby in a manger if you don't start somewhere else. Many people are really good about eavesdropping and kind of jumping in at those inopportune times to kind of pick up little bits and pieces of the story. But then once you start sharing the story, people go, talking about that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and the same is true when we talk about this night the night that christ was born we've got to understand that this story is embedded in a bigger story we first said that you got to understand that the gift of jesus christ is rooted in grief in the heart of god that God's heart was deeply broken in Genesis 3 when, when sin entered the world and it just screwed up everything. But it's also, we find that it's connected to grief in our own heart, a longing to be whole, a longing to be new, a longing to be who God created us to be. And the beautiful thing is, is that God hears our cry and his ultimate response was sending his son. In fact, there was that announcement. We, we just got done singing it in Latin. And some of you are going, you know, I've sung it all my whole life. Glory in excelsis Deo, which means? Yeah, that was really, I'm sure the angels would be really impressed with that. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest. Yeah. Just so you know, I'm looking for a little bit more interaction. <laughs> Spent a little time on this sermon. I'm excited about it. So the angels, you know, the, the whole curtain of heaven opens up and they just break out glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with whom his favor rests and all the heavens just breaks out with that God is making an announcement but it wasn't just an announcement it was also a prediction a prediction of a death that's to be coming and this past Sunday I shared that this magnificent story that we've been considering is really connected to pleasure in the heart of God deeply connected to pleasure in the heart of God. And that because of the nature of our sin, we are unable to help ourselves whatsoever. We're unable to escape this dilemma that, that grips your heart, my heart, all of our hearts, the heart of the world. It grips us. We're unable to fix the world. And God, thank God, he moves on our behalf. God so loved the world that he did what he gave he gave his only son he gave jesus christ and he gave his son in a peculiar kind of way when we think about it when we talked about it this past sunday as a parent you we can't understand a parent giving their child to be crushed to be to give be given up on a cross it just makes absolutely no sense but god found pleasure in giving his son for the purpose of giving life. Life for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. So tonight, we're not going to look just at, at a baby. We are going to look at the finish line. We're going to look at the finish line. If we're going to be talking about what is the whole story of Christmas, you have probably sat through hundreds, maybe 10, a handful, however many Christmas stories, hearing from Luke chapter 2, where all you'll hear the wise men come in, you hear, you hear Mary and Joseph and the baby, and you, you've heard all that story over and over again. 
But tonight we are going to look at the finish line. We cannot look at the whole story of Christmas without looking at what this birth and his death accomplished. There's a theologian. He's a, he's a heavy read. His name's Graham Goldsworthy. And he wrote this. He said this. Hope without a time of fulfillment is a delusion. Hope without a time of fulfillment is a delusion. We are not, if you are in Christ, you believe in what Jesus Christ did for you, what he accomplished for you, you are not a delusional person. Even if outsiders, your family, your friends, your neighbors, everybody looks at you and goes, you are whacked, you are a total mess. You believe in that? That, that makes no sense. And you say, no, I believe it. I am not delusional. Our hopes are not bankrupt. We're not gambling our lives away. We believe in something sure. So tonight we're going to be walking through if it's going to be the whole story. And we start off in Genesis. We're going to end in Revelation. That's right. So grab your Bible. And we're going to break this into three different parts. Revelation chapter uh, 21, page 1041. And I know some of you are, especially if you're Missio Day folks, you're going, a whole chapter? Paul? <laughs> We've got plans tonight. I promise I'll be brief and I'll be to the point. But I, I think this is critical that you understand the whole story, that there's a finish line. There's something that we're, we're shooting towards, that we're moving, all of creation is moving towards. So listen to Revelation chapter 21, starting at verse 1, going to verse 8. Then... I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. This is good news. What we, what we know here is not just a spiritual kind of ethereal experience this is real what what john the writer is talking about this is real this is the real thing coming it's going to be physical and we know from the pro we know what we know from the the prophets is that it's going to be a different kind of world that you and i walk on now totally different it's going to be one that is made new one that is going to be renewed it is going to be brand spanking new Listen, Isaiah 50, uh, 35, 1 says that the deserts shall bloom like a rose. When I think about a, a desert, I think of desolation. I think of the Mojave. The last place you want to be is in the desert without water. You are going to become one of those bleached bones out in the middle of the desert. But God says, listen, 
this new earth, the deserts are going to bloom like roses. It's not going to be one of those flash floods where all of a sudden things get green for a season, then all of a sudden everything dies away. No, the deserts will bloom like roses. It's a whole new definition of what deserts are going to be. Amos 9.13 says that the plowman shall overtake the reaper and that the mountains shall drip with sweet wine. The mountains. I want you to think about this. And Phillips, maybe you can understand this better than anybody else because you love the mountains. But the mountains, if you have ever stood and watched the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, there's just this gentle incline. Then all of a sudden, boom, there they are. Snow-capped mountains, they're huge. And something about it, you just look up and you are caught up in what? Awe. It's like Holy cow, look at these, these rocks that are catching all this snow. This is absolutely beautiful. You see these huge valleys with water running through it, and you're going, there's life up here. This is absolutely beautiful. But as we look forward to the new earth, the mountain ranges where fruitless rocks and frigid snow once were, there is going to be abundance. And not only abundance, there is going to be coming from them sweet wine, enjoyable. It is going to be something else. Isaiah 65, we, we learn that there will be no more sounds of weeping heard on the earth, that the days of God's people will be sweet, that, that on the earth, the lamb and the wolf will feed together. A child will be able to lay over a viper's nest. A small child would be able to stick his hand in an adder's nest, a poisonous snake's nest, and not be, not be hurt. There's a promise that all the violence in this world will be gone. We see in Isaiah 11 that no one will get hurt or destroy anything on God's mountain. And this, this is true because all the evil will be gone. It'll be vanquished. It'll be just totally dissolved. Habakkuk 2.14, another promise says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God like the waters over the oceans. Okay, how does water cover the ocean? Completely. The new heavens promise that this new world, this new land that is being promised to us will be filled with the knowledge of God and lastly, something that I'm looking forward to is 1 Corinthians 15, a promise of resurrection bodies. No more sore backs. No more pain. No more imperfections. No more, man, I feel like I'm 44 and my back is starting to give out or there's a crick in my, you know, in my, my hip and I don't move as fast anymore. We will be able to move like we were supposed to. So there is a coming day where we won't be looking forward to that day. The glorious day won't be a future. It will be here. Absolutely perfect. Everything made new. Listen to how C.S. Lewis in his book, The Last Battle, described that one day. And as he spoke, this would be Aslan. He no longer looked to them like a lion, 
But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for this, for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their lives in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Think about that. This life is nothing but just the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Think about that. You're going to wake up in the morning in heaven if you are in Christ and you believe by faith that Jesus Christ is the one you've given your life, devoted to him. He's given his blood to you. He's made you whole every morning in heaven, even though that says that there's no night or day. Every morning, think about it, every morning God's going to wake, up, wake you up and say, listen, you thought yesterday was amazing? Oh, wait for what I've got today. And then the next day, you thought that was amazing? <laughs> Just wait. This only gets better. Revelation 21.9 says this, Then came one of the seven angels who had had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. We are going to be able to see the fruit of of God's work and see the bride. Who is the bride? The church in all of her glory and splendor. This is more than just spectacular. I've had the privilege of being involved in uh, a number of different weddings and I love standing up there with the groom. And then all of a sudden, you know, the bride has that moment and Manda, you know what this is like. The door is shut and you, want, you don't want Todd to see you until that, that one moment. And then all of a sudden the doors open. And what happens? He becomes undone. He's, even though he's seen her on countless dates, spent thousands of dollars on a stupid ring, all of a sudden that door opens up wide and the man becomes undone with the beauty of that bride coming down. And here in heaven, we are going to be able to see the bride, the the wife of the, of the Lamb, of Jesus Christ, the church in all of her beauty. And there's no longer this future hope. The bride, the kingdom has come in all of its fullness. Listen to uh, verses 10 through 21. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the, the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of the out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its, its radiance like the most rare jewel, like jasper, like as clear as crystal. It was a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And on the wall of the city had the foundation and on them were the name, 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one who spoke to, with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city 
and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement, just so you know. <laughs> kind of throwing that in there. You got the same measurement as an angel. The wall was built with, of jasper, while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh crystallite, not crystallite like the, the diet drink, but crystallite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth crystal phase. The eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the streets of the city were pure gold, transparent as glass. This is a description of the church. This is, it's coming out of heaven and everything is absolutely perfect. It's kind of like a husband just waiting and all of a sudden, describe her for me. Oh. She is wearing white and it's beaded and it's pearled and it's beautiful. She's just absolutely, look at her. She's absolutely gorgeous. But this is not the first description of the, of the church. If you remember back to chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, the church didn't look all that beautiful. At Ephesus, they had great doctrine, but they forgot their first love. Smyrna, they faced tribulation and poverty. Pernum, Pergamum, they put up with teachings that went against the grain and the hope of the gospel. Thyatira, they, they loved the, the sensuality of Jezebel and sexual immorality. Sardis, they were just plain dead. Philadelphia, they had little power, but they were clinging tightly to Jesus. And Laodicea, they were lukewarm and indifferent towards the things of God. They considered themselves rich and prosperous, but they were pitiful blind, poor, and naked. The good news for us today, the good news for you, listen to this. Regardless of what lies waiting for you at home, what lies waiting for you back at work, no matter what is lying waiting for you, it will not end that way. Let me say that again, because I didn't get the response I needed. <laughs> Regardless of what lies waiting for you when you leave this place, what pain, what sorrow, what agony, what, what distractions, what things are heavy and burdens on your heart, and you think, man, that is going to be the end of me. That's what, that's what my life is going to be like. This is saying, uh-uh. Nope. It's not going to end that way. And it's not going to be that way forever. We today are one day closer. One day closer. New mercies every morning. Every morning until everything is made new. Now listen to this. The last few verses. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty the lamb the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of god gives its light and its lamp is the lamb 
By its light, all the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into, bring it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter into it. Nor will anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. John was writing this, and those first people listening to her are going, are you serious? There's not going to be a temple or a tabernacle? What are you talking about? What, 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 where are we going to worship? And the good news is we don't need a tabernacle. The dwelling place of God is now with us. There's no more shadows of what is coming. This is the sum of of the entire Bible. This is it. This is the whole story. Everything is building up to this point. Every aspect of hope and redemption is wrapped up in this one phrase that the dwelling place for God is with man. God with us. It takes us back to that garden experience. Adam and Eve walking in pure harmony with God. Someday, God willing soon, we will be dwelling with God. And all that is truly good and it's truly beautiful. All those things that are absolutely perfect, we think are perfect in this world, will only reappear there and be renewed and perfected purified and enhanced in a perfect setting as we walk with God. So how do I wrap this all up? One of my quicker sermons. This is how we wrap it up. Get over yourself. I don't know how else to say it. You know, A lot of us kind of hedge our bets we keep one foot in this world and we keep another foot in another world just in case. Man, I am going to totally enjoy everything that is about this world. I'm going to enjoy all, just my world is going to be about the relationships. It's going to be about the income. It's going to be about the job. It's going to be about the notoriety. It's going to be about my family. It's going to be all about these things. And I, this, I'm going to hedge all my bets that and find all the pleasure that I can over here just in case. Jesus does not come through and he's not as good as he says he is. Straddling two worlds is a miserable way to live. The call for Christmas is, is to sell out. The call for Christmas is don't put your hope in you. The call for Christmas is Quit putting your hope in your job. You won't ever be strong enough. Trust me. That's why Paul calls his troubles light and momentary because he, he's got this eternal perspective that, you know, it, these things are light and, and they're just a moment. But compared to what is coming, I can say for me to die is gain. 
I can, I can die because you know what? Dying puts me in the presence with God and that is a gain. So how do we live in this world? It's to say, you know what? This world, all that you have to offer, it compares to nothing, nothing compared to what Christ has to offer me. Paul says, get all in the game. So for those of you who don't believe, who are here because, you know, we're, we're doing our nostalgia thing, we're doing the obligatory kind of family Christmas kind of thing, and, and it can be those who are part of Missio Dei their entire life for the past seven years. I'm pleading with you. Open your heart to the true and lasting hope that is found in Jesus Christ. The one who is perfect, had perfect obedience and goes all the way to the cross for you. Gave his life willingly all the way. For what purpose? To satisfy God's anger against sin so that you can receive complete and whole forgiveness for everything that you have done, you are doing, and will ever do. Complete, whole forgiveness. So that you can have acceptance into the family of God. That you can have brothers and sisters who love you enough to say, come along with me. Get out of that mess. We want to be more like Jesus, the one who has saved you. Come with me. Let's get messy together. And I plead with you, don't run from this one, this Jesus. Don't run from him. Run towards his love. Receive his free gift of love through believing in all that he has to offer you. And for those of you that do believe, let's actually hope and believe. It's a call again tonight at this manger to hope and believe again that that baby who was born some 2,000 years ago actually accomplished something worth living for. He actually accomplished something worth living for. Let's hope and believe because here's the beautiful thing. We are getting closer day by day. It's going to happen. And we're going to get there. We're going to see that city. In fact, we are going to be that city. The perfect bride in all of her splendor. So hope is essential. Hope is essential. For those who are the bride of Christ. And as we've seen, the whole story of Christmas is there's a problem. And that need is met through Jesus Christ coming. And there's a finish line. We're only in the title page and the cover. And there's many beautiful chapters to come. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.